In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Dear Reverend Fathers, dear sisters, and dear friends, today, of course, I want to wish you a very happy feast of the Immaculate Conception. And in order to do honor to Our Lady, to to recognize this great privilege, I do want to spend a few moments just explaining that great privilege to you. Of course, we know it is a unique privilege. It is something given to Our Lady alone in view of her, her mission to be the mother of our Lord, to be the mother of God, to have this intimate relation with the Son of God himself, it was fitting that she should never, not even for a moment, be under the dominion or the power of Satan, to be not tainted, not even for a moment, with the effects of the rebellion of the human race. And so she is preserved. She is preserved from any stain of sin from the very first moment of her existence, the moment that her soul is created, it is created in grace. And this privilege is given to her through the merits of her son, through the merits of the Redeemer, looking forward, anticipating the merits that our Lord would earn by his life and by his passion and death. And so Our Lady, like ourselves, is redeemed. She is redeemed. But her manner of being redeemed is more perfect than ours because she is redeemed by way of preservation while we are redeemed by way of purification. Now, this great mystery of the Immaculate Conception, when we begin to think about it, as I hope we will, we are, are going to notice that it includes a couple of things which might, in fact, lead us to misunderstand it. So I just want to help your contemplation by pointing out where we might become confused. So, of course, this idea of the immaculate conception brings to mind the notion of purity, as it should. And, of course, conception brings to mind the idea that there is something extraordinary about Our Lady's conception, which there is. But just to make sure that we don't misunderstand this mystery, the purity of Our Lady that is contained in the Immaculate Conception has nothing to do with her perpetual virginity. That is another privilege altogether, so we just don't want to get those two things confused. And the fact that there is something extraordinary about Our Lady's conception should not make us think that it is somehow a miraculous one, as was, of course, the conception of our Lord. So no, Our Lady is the fruit of the marriage of her saintly parents, of Saint Anne and Saint Joachim. She is truly their daughter in the full sense of the word. The beauty of this privilege, of this mystery that we celebrate today, is the fact that at the very moment, at the same moment, that she became the daughter of Anne and Joachim, she also became the daughter of God. Because she received, with her human nature, also a share 
in the divine nature through sanctifying grace. So Our Lady, she comes into this world with a purity similar to that that our first parents received when they came straight from the hands of the Creator before the fall of our race. She comes into the world with a purity like theirs, with no stain of sin and with no wounds of sin. That disorder that we feel in our own soul, that rebellion of our lower nature against our higher nature, there was none of that in Our Lady. In her, there is something of the air of the Garden of Eden. And that makes sense because, of course, Our Lady is the new Eve. And her coming into the world is like, it's like a trumpet blast throughout the universe announcing that the redemption is at hand. The new Eve has come and the new Adam must shortly follow. Today, of course, is also another cause of celebration because it is the 40th anniversary of our first Mass here in this, our church. The inauguration, the launching of our our permanent and stable apostolate here in Sydney, which in its own way is a bit like a trumpet blast bringing the tradition of the church and the life of the soul as the tradition of the church can give it into this city. And what are the fruits of that first Mass 40 years ago? Well, they're manifold. They're many. I could simply point out maybe some of the most obvious. It is my understanding, and I think I have this right, You can ask Pedro, of course, but I think I have this right. That 40 years ago, when we said this first solemn high mass, we had to bring in a choir from the outside in order to sing that mass. Well, we don't need to do that today. We have our dear sisters with us. And, as I'm very happy to notice, uh, they are ably supported by you, the congregation, in the singing. Those sisters, though, we can see them as a sort of, well, a development, an improvement in our apostolate, and that's true, but it's it's a bit deeper than that. Some of them are themselves the very fruits of this apostolate here in Sydney, either directly or indirectly, because the apostolate in Queensland was serviced from the priory in Sydney at the beginning. So our sisters themselves... Are a fruit of this, of this first mass forty years ago, and not just them, of course, but as we know, other sisters throughout the world, and postulants and novices across the world on their way to becoming sisters. We have two priests stationed at this priory, who are the fruits of that first mass, of that inauguration of a stable apostolate here in Sydney, Father Tok and Father McNamara. And not just them, but as with the sisters, other priests throughout Australia and even the world who are priests today in one way or another because of what happened in this building 40 years ago. 
And we could go on. We could point to the school. We could point to some of those who are serving Mass here today. And others who are in the congregation who have been blessed by that school. Or the families that are perhaps newer to our parish who are receiving incredible blessings through that school. And we could go on and on and on. Such is the generosity of God and such is the power of the Mass. But on an anniversary, as we do look back, it's also good to reflect a little bit and say, or to ask, are the fruits abundant as they are? Are they all they should be? That is a very good question. The life of a parish, like the life of a person, is not meant to be merely a duration of existence, a passing of time, a staying alive. It's meant to be a life. And life implies growth, a development, an increase in perfection. So we do, I think, have to ask ourselves today, as we thank God for all of the fruits of the Mass and of this parish, we have to ask ourselves in front of Our Lady, in front of Our Lord, is my soul, is my family drawing all the life that they can from this parish and the means of grace that this parish contains? Am I really acknowledging the gift, the gift which is just within reach? Am I really taking it with both hands from our Lord and from his mother? You know, Our Lady enters the world today, we can say, we celebrate her entering into the world. She enters into the world full of grace. She enters the world already holier than any saint will ever reach. She begins her life like that. And even her, even Our Lady, grew in holiness from day to day, from moment to moment, from grace to grace. Although she sat at the pinnacle of human holiness from the moment of her conception, she grew. She was subject to that same process of increase in life, in supernatural life. That is the law of every redeemed creature. And so we have to ask her today to renew, perhaps, but after all, that's how life goes, to renew, perhaps, and certainly to deepen our desires. We must be a people of desire. We must be a parish of desires. To grow, to increase, to live, 
the divine life that has been placed into our souls by the incredible generosity of God and of His Mother. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.